Well, hello, everyone. This is the fifth Q&A that we're doing, and uh, I look forward to being able to answer some of these questions. Uh, some of these questions now are it's more outreach type in terms of, or just Christian living type questions, which are always uh, good because I think it, it, it reveals that you're thinking how to apply these truths into your own life. Uh, so the first one, it's on how can we better evangelize and love the lost at a time like this? And that's a really good question because, um, you know, even though we might be struggling in terms of trying to figure out what to do next for ministry, there's also the, a, a reality that people are um, entering into eternity. Um, and strangely enough, uh, it's a time like this where people are most interested in things like Christianity, but they're now unable to do so. Um, I get the sense that um, probably a lot of people are um, just trying to join these Christian live streams, like these churches live stream. I think if I, we look at our own churches live stream, if you look at the views, it's like way more than the people that are actually there. Um, so I have to believe that there's actually some, uh, just through the, the divine circumstances, uh, people are actually just listening to the live stream and are be, you know, convicted by uh, the message, and hopefully by the time we get to return, there'll be a whole bunch of new people that heard some of the messages and have given their life to Christ uh, because of it. Um, I think one practical way that you can do is that you, um, you just you, you just contact those in your life. Uh, there's probably people um, in your life that uh, is waiting. Uh, for answers and just want to hear from you and this is an opportunity for you to um, to ask them what they think about uh, things about eternal things I think one thing I'm thinking about is when Paul talks about how the gospel is not imprisoned, he was in jail but the gospel still went out and still went forward Um, just because we aren't doing as many ministry or outreach doesn't mean that the Lord is not working through different means Um, Colossians chapter 4 uh, verse 2, it says, Devote yourself to prayer, keeping your alert in it with an attitude of thankfulness, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been in prison, that I may be make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Um, and I think this is something that we need to really consider. Um, just pray. Pray for this opportunity. Be really intentional. Look at your phone, just scroll down all the contact list and see people that maybe you haven't spoken to in a while, or even like um, neighbors, or um, yeah, you have to like do social distancing, but you know, just trying to build relationships the best that you can uh, in hopes that the, that opportunity will come. Um, uh, try to just live out your life before um, non believers as best as you can. And for those of you who are living with like non believing housemates or family this is the perfect time um you will have to inevitably talk about these hard things um i mean even for me some of my relatives are asking what if this is uh, what's going to be like forever for the rest of our lives and said yeah um it strips away all types of uh, hopes in the world and now we're forced to think about what's the next thing in our life which is death which is eternity um, so you need to just kind of seize those opportunities and pray that the Lord will give you those things to you in hopes that you're able to share the hope that we have. Um, we're Christians, so we are people without any hope. 
rather we know that as long as uh, we still have, as long as we're here, as long as we are still um, around, um, the work is still not done. Um, so we should always be praying for those opportunities um, that the Lord will open up or whether like get, allow the cure to come or or just, just go away so that we can continue doing uh, our, our outreach. So there's that. Um, so this next series of questions all kind of revolve around the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what does the Holy Spirit play in the salvation of the believer? I think this is a really good question because the Holy Spirit is the one of the members of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit does a lot, but I'm just going to list a few of them. One of which, one of them is that the Holy Spirit seals our um, our salvation. Uh, Ephesians 1, chapter everyone verse uh, 13. In Him you also have you also after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view of the redemption of God's own possession to the praise for of his glory. So what that means is that it's supposed to, the Holy Spirit's role, one of the things that he does is that he makes us um, secure in our salvation. Uh, this word sealed here is used um, as a, you know, those wax that they use to seal an envelope where they would heat up some wax to close a document. His idea is that uh, we're secure, that there's this authentic ownership um, that belongs to the Lord. The Holy Spirit does that. It seals us uh, so that we know that we belong to the Lord. Uh, we are His. Um, Christ said so that, I mean, even in the New Testament times, that the Holy Spirit would be our helper. So in the context of the scriptures, so the Holy Spirit uh, enabled the uh, the apostles and the disciples to remember all that they have heard from Christ, what the, the canon of Scripture is written. Uh, the Holy Spirit is what inspires uh, the the New Testament authors to to be able to write all that they've written, and um, uh, and that's how we have uh, the whole the, the canon of Scripture. Uh, one also thing that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And that it teaches us how do we can pray, uh, Romans 8:26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who and He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So what this means is that sometimes when we're praying. The Holy Spirit is actually giving us the right things to say to the Lord. Um, we are oftentimes very, uh, I guess, uh, shallow or uh, um, have a low view of the Lord, but the Holy Spirit helps us in terms of giving us the right words to say in our prayers and in our adoration of the Lord and our confession of sin and our thanksgiving to Him. Um, all of these things are the Holy Spirit working in us so that we can be able to uh, go and and pray to the Lord. Um, I think, uh, so that's intercession, the Holy Spirit. That's how he intercedes for us in that way. Um, he intercedes by letting us know how to pray. Sometimes we're praying for other people. 
Sometimes it's praying to the Lord, and sometimes you're praying publicly. All these different things are the way in which the, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, works in us. Um, another thing that the Holy Spirit does is that it convicts us of sin. Um, I mean, for the non-believer, the Holy Spirit does nothing except for one thing, and that is it, it regenerates the uh, um, the the non-believer. It, it opens up his eyes so that he knows that he needs to come to saving faith. And for the believer, that work of the Holy Spirit is still in us, and that we uh, are being sanctified more each day, uh, that we're convicted by the Word of God, that we're moved by the Spirit uh, to uh, to honor Him and to uh, and to serve the Lord. Um, this is why even the the, the in Galatians speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit are uh, each of these attributes that the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and it m- makes us conform to more Christ-likeness. Uh, Galatians 5, verse um, 25, this is right after the fruit of the Spirit. So if we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. Uh, this means that the Holy Spirit is transforming our will so that our lives are, are different, uh, and we become more gentle, we have more self-control, we have more goodness, kindness, patience, peace, joy, faithfulness, love. All of these things are a result of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and working in our lives. Uh, so that's just uh, some of the ways in which the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer, and, uh, and in, also in salvation as well. And this is a huge topic. So uh, it's easy for me, I mean, it, it, this can go on for a long time, but uh, if you want to read more on that, you can, I'm sure there are books and uh, systematic theologies that you can look into that can dive more into this topic. Uh, how do you, I guess meaning me, view our current circumstances in light of uh, Bible, biblical prophecy? Um, I think... The, I, I don't want to be one of those preachers, and I'm not one of those preachers that like try to use the Bible to like connect uh, prophecy to uh, events, like current events, uh, because that's always dangerous. You're essentially trying to add, potentially add or misinterpret things. Like I remember uh, people that told me during uh, the Cold War. Everyone interpreted the Antichrist as communist Russia or uh, this other, um, you know, more recently it's more like people see the Islamic faith as the Antichrist or uh, even some people think that the, the, the LGBTQ movement is the Antichrist and uh, they will try to take these verses and say like, oh, look how this is and like, you know, bend things uh, to fit what they think. And usually that's out of fear. Uh, um, they, I think if you look at our current circumstances in light of what Revelation described as the end, uh, this is nothing compared to what the end is going to be like. Um, I feel like when you, if you read through the book of Revelation, it seems like there's a, there's a sense of hopelessness. Um, hopelessness both in terms of the, for the living and people that are alive wanting to die. And Revelation speaks to how like death doesn't even come anymore. Like they just suffer. They just want to just hide from the Lord in the mountains. And I think that's way different from what we're doing now. We're just like quarantining ourselves. Um, and, you know, the suffering that we experience now is nothing compared to what you see 
and things like the Re- in Revelation 6 with the, the seal judgments or the bowl judgments. Uh, these are all uh, way more extreme, um, though it does, I think, give us a foretaste of of what the future might hold, uh, and it should cause our hearts to want people to, to come to saving faith. Um, calamity, famine, these things are just the norm of living in a fallen world. The moment Adam, Eve, and Eve sinned, sin entered into the world, and then everything comes corrupted. Uh, so, you know, as time progressed, disease would just get worse and more complicated, and that's just expected. Um, so, if you think this is bad, what is going to come down the line, whatever the next huge plague or whatever it may be, is going to be far worse than this. Um, you know, I, and I think if you look at Revelation, especially those who haven't repented, that it just seems as though that they just can't even escape from this. Like, like for us, we can quarantine ourselves, wear a mask and stuff, but the disease and the pestilence and the plague that comes in the book of Revelation seems like there is nothing that you can do to defend yourself. It's, it's God pouring out his judgment onto the world. Um, so I don't think as Christians we should be um, using like prophecy and trying to like connect it to our current day circumstances. But rather, we should just understand that this death is, I mean, this plague here or this disease, whatever you want to call it, um, it's just the first of many, and it's not even, relatively speaking, the worst in history, and the one that is to come when Christ, uh, you know, as described in Revelation, that's way worse than what we see. Um, but it should cause us to do think more about eternal things, and that's a good thing. Um, and you know, that's what we should have. We should, <clears throat> uh, going through trials like this, this is a global issue, it should make us, I kind of go back to that first question, like, we, it, we should feel convicted that how much time that we've wasted in life doing other things instead of winning people to to the, to Christ um, this disease is if anything just makes Christians just sober up to the reality to be more bold to give the answer and to ensure the hope that we have um, so that's how I, I would view all our current circumstances live with biblical prophecy uh, the answer is I don't I don't do it I just um I think it's very dangerous. There are pastors now on TV that are doing stuff like this, and that's very unwise. Um, there are even cults that do, like these doomsday cults that do this exactly the same thing, where they add up all these numbers and some specific date, and all these events are these or this thing or that or whatever, and in the end, they're found to be foolish. So I would rather just say, I don't look at the, I don't see our current circumstances. And, um, in terms of making like, oh, see, this is exactly what is said in this passage over here. Um, that's just not the thing that I would advise people to do. Okay, these are some of the questions that I just close with that. Uh, and I hope that these are again helpful. Uh, feel free to send in more questions if you like. And uh, if I don't have any new questions, then I either I do something else uh, on a Friday or I just don't record. So uh, whatever. <laughs> Whatever you guys feel is needed, um, yeah, I'm willing to serve you guys in whatever I can, whatever capacity I can. Um, so with that said, uh, thank you for listening, and I hope you guys have a blessed weekend.